0: One day we will sing that the new song, and that He's worthy. Thanks, Joshua. Now let's take our Bibles. Turn to John 14. All right, John chapter 14. Sometimes prophecy. And the Bible is written in the past tense, sometimes it's written in the present tense, and sometimes it's written in the future tense, all right? And all three in this verse, sort of. John 14, 19, Jesus talking to his disciples, and this was written and this was spoken before he went to the cross. In fact, it would have been the very day before, the night before. Because shortly after this, you know, the events are his prayers recorded in John 17 and then going into the garden in chapter 18. And then he's arrested and taken before the authorities and crucified. And So this would have taken place probably the night, the, the day before, the night before. So it says this in John 14:19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, and because I live, ye shall live also. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this time we can spend in thy word tonight as we look at some things that the scripture says about our our, our life in Christ. Help, it, help us, O oh Lord, to take these things to heart and just to be reminded of what we have and what we are and what we shall be in our Savior. And again, Lord, we are thankful for the visitors that were here today and pray that thou would continue to work in their lives and give us opportunity. Father, especially for Barry to follow up and open the word to him. I'm thankful, dear Lord, that, that we are gaining his trust, and we pray for that. It's so very important in this, in this day especially. Now, Lord, just bless our time, our thoughts, our words, as we look into the scriptures tonight, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ gave this promise to his disciples before his crucifixion. So before any of these things happen, he said, because I live, ye shall live also. And he talked about how they would not see him. And he mentions this. He wouldn't, for, he wouldn't see them for a while, and then they would see him. And of course, he's referring to the fact that he would be taken from them and crucified and die, and then he'd rise again, and they would see him. That's what he's talking about. And because I live, ye shall live also. So the Lord Jesus Christ was so, uh, so sure of that truth, that he, he said it with confidence, and that, that is faith in God and in his word. Uh, why do we believe what we do? Well, there's reasons, but the biggest one of all is because the Bible says so. Um, and even as far as creation, the ark, all those things, the flood, by faith we understand, according to um, Hebrews chapter 11. So tonight, three things, three ways, that that promise, because I live... Ye shall live also how that promise is fulfilled in the lives of believers. And so the first one, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, point number 1, crucified yet alive. Crucified and yet alive. I want you to notice, and you know this verse probably, but I want you to notice the way Paul states things here. Because it's not a, it's a fact. It's not something that he's speculating about or spiritualizing about. Um, Something that is a reality, and if it was reality with him, it's reality with you and me. This is not something that was special only for Paul or only for certain believers. You know, the the great ones, the apostles, and all that. Um, This is what he says: I am crucified with Christ. Um, notice, now I want you to think about it. That he didn't say, "I consider myself to have been crucified with Christ." No, it's not a speculation. It's not something that we that we bring up to explain our relationship with Christ. No, it's something that is a fact. I am crucified with Christ now, and it's in that it's in that particular tense in the original language where that is the best in translation of that Greek statement. Many of the English translations, other ones than the King James, they say, I was crucified with Christ. But that's really not what he's saying. The tense of am crucified is it was action that that was in the past but continues to the present and future and so Paul what he says you know when Jesus died I am crucified I'm crucified today through the rest of my life I'm crucified so it's a continual thing all right now <clears throat> but this I I refers to the old man the old life the person that we were the creature that we were the life that we live that is all been nailed to the cross. That's what crucified means. Nailed to the cross. Now, and the Lord, when he was on earth, said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Because that I, and I think that's great that Paul says I, because that great capital I doesn't like to be on the cross. It likes to try to wiggle off the cross. And it will if we allow it. That's That's why Jesus said take up the cross daily because it's not taken up for us it's not automatic um the crucified part is but we need to stay crucified and I and I really get again that's why the translators of the King James put it I am crucified I still am right and so I am crucified with Christ and that's a wonderful truth Um, And it talks about that also in Romans chapter 6, that our old man is crucified with him and so on. Now, it says this, Nevertheless, in spite of that, I live. All right, so there's life. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's where the hymn writer got the idea for that great hymn, Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, that is, in the body... Here it's not talking about the flesh in the way of like the old nature to sin nature, but he's talking about in the body. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, so two things. How Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me literally in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples that if a man love me, he will keep my commandments, and we will come, and the Father will love you, and we will make our abode with you, our dwelling. right, so that's, of course, in the person of the Holy Spirit. So he lives in us through the Holy Spirit, and they're one, all right? Christ liveth in me. Secondly, that is Jesus Christ cultivates within the believer his own desires, virtues, character, and power, thus transforming the believer and working through the believer in others. So Christ living his life in us and through us. Alright? That's his desire. Now the way I love the way it's expressed in, in Ephesians chapter three. If we'll turn there for just a moment. Um, Ephesians chapter three, this is part of a prayer that Paul recorded on behalf of the Ephesians. Alright, beginning in verse 14. Ephesians 3, 14, Paul says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, and now here's his request, that he would grant you According to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. All right, do you ever feel weak um, in yourself? And and so that's what his prayer was: to be strengthened with might by his Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, in the inner man. Right? Why? Because according to Proverbs, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Right? That Christ may dwell, that is, be at home in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, that is, of all that we have in Christ, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, and that is to know by experience what you can't know by intellect, right? by searching. That, and here's the ultimate, that, that, or so that, ye may, might be filled with all the fullness of God. In other words, everything that God has for us might be poured into us and through us. How is that accomplished? By Christ living in me. By, by the believer allow, submitting to Jesus Christ as Lord and not only allowing, but desiring him to live his life through us. And so, you know, not to be too technical, but, but in reality, it's not Christ helping us live. It's Christ living through us, all right? Him filling us with his life, his power, all right? And, of course, that's what Paul d- expressed his desire for himself, but also for all the believers. And it's and this this sentiment, this desire... Of Paul is is interwoven in all of his writings, and he expresses it in one way or another to everybody that he write that he wrote to, and everybody that he spoke to in person. Obviously, he spoke to in a lot more cities than he wrote to, and so that's his desire for the people of God. And and others caught on to that same, you know, that same. Sentiment toward believers. For example, Epaphroditus, who is one of you, Paul said, always laboring fervently in prayer that you may stand complete in all the will of God. All right. And so the will of God is that we might be filled with the full, all the fullness of God, that Christ would indeed live in and through us. I like that. That quote I got was from the King James Study Bible notes on um, on uh, on on Galatians. That he cultivates Jesus. You know, we're the, he's the true vine, father's a husband, we're the branches, and so like a vineyard, the, the good the farmer cultivates. And Jesus cultivates in us his own desires, his virtues, his character, his power. And we praise God for that. All right, number two, in Romans chapter six. We are alive unto God. Again, it's because of Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 6, tremendous truth. One that God wants us to know. God wants us to experience. One the devil does not want us to experience. The world does not want us to experience it. So the devil and the world work together against us. Our, we don't want to do it. Our flesh doesn't want this to happen. Right, And so we need to understand what we have and what we are and what we need to be in Christ, alive in Christ. Romans 6.11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word reckon, is actually an accounting term. It means to take into account or calculate or render or figure you know figure into the equation that we to, that we, to be dead indeed, in dead in reality right? Not just in theory not just in thought or in doctrine but in reality in our lives. What is it that, he, that we're to be? Dead, indeed, unto sin. And I, I've been, I know people. I, you know, obviously over the course of years, I've attended funerals from family members, friends. I've had to officiate over dozens of funerals over the years. And I notice that there are people who go up to the casket and they touch the dead person, they hug the dead person, they kiss the dead person, they talk to the dead person. And what does the dead person do? doesn't respond. Because why? Well, because they're dead, all right? Well, Paul says that's what we ought to be towards sin, that when sin comes along, you know, it talks to us, kisses us, whatever, tries to entice us, we're like that corpse when it comes to sin. Now, when Jesus was on the earth, he went, he went to some caskets or some dead people didn't he right somebody wrote one time in a book that uh, Jesus broke up every funeral that he ever attended and so the same dead person anybody everybody you know everybody everybody in the crowd could go up to that dead person and shake it and talk to it but Jesus Christ would say young man I say unto you arise and that, got, that guy sat up Luke chapter 7 precious account of the man who was a he was the only son of a widow and so imagine the sadness there. But Jesus just said, you know, He said to her, "Weep not." He said, He to, to, to touched the buyer, the, the what, the coffin, the coffin they were carrying, and He just said, "Young man, I say unto thee, arise." And he sat up. What's the difference? Obviously, the power of Christ. And He said, Paul wrote, "That should be us in our life." Dead to sin, unresponsive, don't even hear it, but alive unto God. Responsive unto God. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Obviously, um, everything we have, we have in him and because of him. So uh, we should never respond toward sin. We should always respond toward God. And that, of course, includes and especially when God speaks to us through his word. Whatever he says in his word, we need to be alive to that. And that's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing that Christ has made us alive. He has quickened us who were dead in trespasses and sins. He has raised us up. He's made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ. We are to walk in newness of life as we saw this morning. And so a whole whole new thing. whole new life because of Christ. All right. Well, let's go to John 11. Because thirdly, we are alive eternally. We are alive. We are alive eternally. Let's start off. We're going to be in John eleven, but let's go to John five for just a moment. And the question is, <clears throat> for the believer, when does our, when does eternal life begin? Well, let's see what Jesus said about it. right? John five and verse twenty four read a few verses here, because this is so, so great. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is past from death and life. In other words, already, present tense. So when does eternal life begin? When we go to heaven? No, the moment we're saved. Eternal life begins, and we will never die. Alright? Now we're going to explain that in just a moment. So though it shall not come to condemnation, we're free from that. We'll never be condemned. We're already, we're passed already from death unto life. We are over here. We are dead. Now Jesus Christ has made us alive. And that's we've already passed. Alright? And in Ephesians he says he's made us sit together in heavenly places. In In his reckoning we're already there. See, We're, we're raised up to a new life right now, right? And so, that's what the Bible says. Verily, verily, see you, Verse 25, get this. The hour is coming. In fact, now is. In other words, the idea is that Jesus is saying, this time has been coming. And it's now here. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. That's the spiritually dead. The dead in sin will hear the voice of the Son of God. They that hear shall live. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so we, every one of us here tonight, is saved. I, I believe, I think we all are. Um, and that we were saved because one day we heard the voice of the Son of God through the gospel. All right, that's what he's talking about. Now, of course, people in Jesus' day, they heard him personally. He was there in body. Today, not. So, but we hear him through the word. And people, a lot of people don't understand that. I I know we all do. But a lot of people don't understand that. They, I want to hear the voice of God. And we say, here it is. Well, no, I need more. No, you're not going to get any more. All right? This is the voice of God. This is the voice of the Son of God. All right? Then it talks about, later down in verse 28, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which... All that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Now that's talking about, obviously that's talking about the physically dead, those who are buried. They will hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. You know, that is those that have, have accepted Christ as Savior and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And that's that great white throne judgment that Revelation 20 talks about. Alright, right, so we're alive in Christ now. Eternal life begins the moment that we're saved. Some of it's down here and most of it's up there. But it's reality. John 11, Jesus spoke about that more. John chapter 11. Um, Lazarus died. We know the story, the account in scripture. Lazarus was sick. They sent a message to Jesus. He stayed where he was. And by the time he got to Bethany, not only had Jesus died, he was already buried. So it's over as far as his his sisters thought and other people. So we we come to John 11. And we find this in um, verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus... Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. So she's expressing her trust in Jesus even at at this point. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So she's thinking about yes, he's gonna he'll rise at that resurrection. Just like the thief on the cross, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom, whenever that is. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so, of course, here Jesus is indicating that Lazarus is going to rise right now. And so he says, Jesus said unto her, in verse 25, I am the resurrection. In other words, not only do I resurrect, but I am Resurrection. That's, I am, that's my power. I am the resurrection and the life. On John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Obviously, Lazarus is an example. Lazarus had died, and obviously he, be, he was a believer. They were dear friends. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. So was he saying? A person who, a believer in Christ, though he may be dead, he shall live physically. He's going to live again. And those who live those who are alive and believe in me shall never die what does he mean well he means exactly what he says the Christian never dies alright what dies the body the tent the tabernacle but that's not us Um, what you see here what I see out there is not the real me and what I see out there is not the real you alright no that's not that it's not the woo-woo stuff. It's reality. What you see is the body you live in. Or, as Paul put it, the house that you live in. This is a shell, all right? This is a tent. And when we're gonna, we'll lay aside this tent, if Jesus doesn't come first, but we will not even for an instant be dead. To be absent from the body, Paul said, is to be present with the Lord, and so I don't know how. I sometimes I don't know why I, I try to picture what that's going to be like, because it's going to happen unless the Lord comes in our lifetime. So what's it going to be? I don't know, but I know this: I'm going to. I'm gonna, You know, they'll, they'll say, "Oh, he's passed away," you know. And, but you know what? I don't believe there's not even a moment of losing consciousness because our our you know, it's our, our body is not the conscious part. It's what lives in the body that's conscious, and that's going to, that'll live, that'll live. When that thief on the cross, when he closed his eyes in death, immediately his spirit was with Christ in heaven, all right? And so there was no loss of life, there was no ceasing of life, only physical life. And then, of course, there's eternal life, there's spiritual life, and there's a new body waiting for us, and all those things. But in reality, the believer never dies, and that's just that's just great, all right. There's a group, there's some out there that, that teach the false doctrine of soul sleep. You know, they teach that when a person dies, their soul, their spirit, soul, and body all go in the grave, waiting for the resurrection. Well, I mean, it's so easy to disprove that. I don't know how anybody could believe that. Uh, Jesus didn't. When Jesus said to the thief, today thou be with me in paradise, he didn't say, hey, hey Sam, we're going to share the same grave. No, that's, that's crazy. And when Stephen was being stoned to death and he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, you know, 3,000 years from now, wherever that might be. No, it's like now. And by the way, what Jesus was standing because he was going to receive his Stephen spirit. Paul said, I am ready. I'm now ready to offer the time of my departure is at hand. And that's a neat word. That word translated departure is the idea of a, sh- of a ship, a boat that's tied to the dock and you cut the rope or you untie the rope and the ship sets sail. The ship debarks, all right? And, or, and embarks, I should say. And so that's what he's talking about. The believer never dies. And praise the Lord for that. It's a great truth. And so here, you know, here and a moment later with God... So, um, and then let's look at one more passage in closing, and that's back in the book of Romans, Romans 8. Romans chapter number (coughs) 8. All right, and then we'll be done. Romans 8. Let's start in verse 8. Well, let's go to verse 7. 6, 5, four, no, 7. Because, verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. That is, to be earthly minded is death. That's all, that's all earthly mindedness. That's all that has death. There's no life there. Nothing for us. Nothing for the believer. <coughs> why? But, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Here's why. Because the carnal mind, the earthly mind, the fleshly mind is enmity against God. That's it, plain and simple. Pardon me, I got a little tickle. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. All right? That's what. the, that's the problem with people who expect the ungodly to live godly. All right. And it can't happen. can't happen until they're saved. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. In other words, those who only are in the flesh and don't have anything else. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be it that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's not of his. In other words, if a person doesn't have the Holy Spirit, they're not saved, all right? And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Okay? Now our body <coughs> man <coughs> our body is going to be dead, dying, it's never going to change until we get to glory, until the rapture comes. That's why Romans 8 later on talks about the redemption of our body. See? Our bodies are not redeemed. Right? And and only, the only way that we, we can control our body is through the spirit, through the spirit of God and our spirit kind of, you know, working together, following the word of God. So, Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So it shall in the future. Right? Our bodies will be, will be given immortality. They'll be quickened. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We need to look at ourselves that way. We are debtors. In other words, we, we owe a debt. We owe something not to the flesh, To live after the flesh, in other words, we don't owe the flesh anything. The only thing we're supposed to do with our flesh is crucify it. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. That's what living after the flesh does, it brings death. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And Paul's giving a great warning there. Uh, because a person who claims to be saved but lives after the flesh, they're going to die and their profession is questionable at best and a lie at worst, right? So we need to mortify. that is that means put to death the deeds of the body and we'll live. Now we'll live a, we'll live a life down here and then we'll also of course live for all eternity. And we praise the Lord for that. So we're we're to live for God. We owe it to God, is what Paul's saying here. We owe it to the Lord to live for him because of all that he's done for us. That's that's simply uh, the truth of what the word of God says. So God help us to do that, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, um, as Romans chapter 12 tells us to do. Alright, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for this time again tonight. We love the Word of God and we're so grateful to be able to have it open and to speak it and to hear it. And Lord, bless the Word of God to our hearts, our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, hymn number 470. <coughs> if I Alright, hymn number 470. Stand, please, as we sing, Jesus is all the world to me. All right. So, only sing it if you mean it. Jesus is all the world to me. All four verses.
1: Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without Him I would fall. When I am sad. To Him I go, no other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, He makes me glad, He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, my friend in trials sore, I go to him for blessings and he gives them o'er and o'er. He sends the sunshine and the rain. He sends the harvest golden grain. Sunshine and rain, harvest of rain. He's my friend. Jesus. Jesus is all the world to me, and true to him I'll be. Oh, how could I this friend deny when he's so true to me? Following him I know I'm right, he watches over me day and night, following him by day and night, he's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, I want no better friend, I trust him now, I'll trust him when life's fleeting day shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend, beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life, eternal joy, he's my
0: friend. Amen. Father in heaven we thank thee for the Lord Jesus Christ who is a friend of sinners he laid down his life for his friends lord and even his enemies but especially for those of us that he knew would become his friends by trusting in him thankful father that he walks with us moment by moment of every day lord help us god also to be a friend to him and to thee like abraham that it might be said of us that we are the friends of God. Watch over us. Again, we're thankful for this clear and sunny evening. Please give everybody safety in traveling to our homes tonight. And please watch over us. Help us to be faithful. God, help us especially to walk in, in light of the life that we have in Christ. May we especially be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.